Welcome to Unsuitable on Ray Radio, the award-winning financial services and business advisory podcast that challenges your old-school business practices and their traditional business suit culture. Our guests are industry professionals and experts who will challenge you to think beyond the suit and tie while offering you meaningful modern solutions to help enhance your company's growth. I'm your host, Dave Kane. I have a question for you to think about. Are you paying more in taxes than your fair share? Well, if you own buildings and real estate, you could be, and a cost segregation study could provide you a strategy you've been looking for. On today's episode of Unsuitable, we're joined by Dave McGuire, co-founder of McGuire Sponsor, a regional professional service firm that works with CPAs to enhance relationships throughout innovative tax strategies. Dave is known for his expertise in cost segregation, fixed assets, and depreciation law, and is often sought after for his insight with regard to depreciation techniques and practices. Today, he's going to break down the topic of cost segregation by shining some light on who can benefit from a cost seg study, what kind of savings are at stake, and when business owners should take advantage of this strategy. Welcome to Unsuitable, Dave. Thank you. You know, when I think about you guys and, and Ray and Associates, our firms go back 20, 25 years, would you say? Uh, I think we started working with Ray and Associates. It, it goes about 13 years ago. I did my first study for you guys. Great. And it was your own offices. Great. Great. So we practice what we preach you a do. little bit. You do. You made me prove myself to you. Did you charge us for that? Uh, uh, quite have. a bit. Might yeah. have. Good. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, when I think about you guys, I think of uh, a firm that's uh, innovative. You guys are thorough with your research and documentation. And you helped me manage the risk uh, on these studies. And I, I wanted to just mention that uh, working with your firm has been a uh, you know, wonderful experience for, for Ray and Associates. Um, let's talk about cost segregation. Um, uh, many of our listeners um, are, are aware of cost seg or cost segregation, but let's talk about what it is first and, and get at a high level, and then we'll dig deep into uh, some of the other benefits. Well, simply Cost segregation is a way to take advantage of time value of money. The whole idea is a dollar today is worth a lot more in purchasing power than a dollar 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Now, when you build a building or buy a building or have an asset, typically the IRS says a building depreciates over 39 years. So if you think of a $3.9 million building, you get $100,000 in depreciation every year. What a cost segregation study does is it goes into that building and recognizes the assets that the IRS says behave more like equipment than they do building. That could be anything from the carpet to the wallpaper to the TV on the wall, but also not just that TV on the wall, but all the wiring that supports the TV. The power coming in from the street helps power that TV. And so when you think of a manufacturing environment, the power and the plumbing and everything else get to be a pretty significant portion of that building. What a cost segregation does is it carves those assets out, which then can be depreciated over five, seven, and 15 years in the case of land improvements, which accelerates a lot of those depreciation deductions into the early years. So what that does is it takes that 39-year asset and it puts a large portion of it in those shorter lives, thus reducing taxes in the early years of the asset allowing you to take advantage of that time value of money. Um, often we get the statement, it's just a timing difference. And I remind people that any financial planner will typically tell you if you get a big tax refund at the end of the year, what do they tell you? Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a bad thing. It feels good when you get that big check from the IRS, but they say, 
That was a bad thing because the IRS just held on to your money for a whole year. So you want to owe a little bit at the end of the year when you fill out your tax return. The cost segregation is the same general idea, but we're doing that over 40 years versus just right. one year. So we're taking that same idea, get your money out now and utilize it to put money back into your business, pay down loans that you might have, or well, we've had one client that just went out and bought a boat. I mean, oh, you can good. do that, but <laughs> that stuff. might not be the best financial decision. <laughs> so, well, that, that, uh, but that's good use of the money on their, yeah. in their uh, business plan. But, you know, w- with, with that thought and, and the way you broke that down, I want to move to, to a case study mm-hmm. uh, that you shared with us. And I think we were, maybe were both involved. Both of our firms were involved with this. You know, don't want to go into the name of the, uh, of the business, but, you know, let's talk about um, this uh, cost segregation study. Um, it was a manufacturer, I believe, and I think the building was uh, between 2.5 and and three million dollars. Uh, you guys were able to reclassify about 43 percent of the depreciable prop property that was going to go or being depreciated over 39 years, and you were able to do that and uh, reduce it to five, seven, or 15 year property. And as a result, uh, there was an increase of cash flow of 300 thousand over the first five years and a net present value of 225,000 over the life of the investment. So I want to just kind of go back and think about that. The net present value of the savings was $225,000 from a cost segregation study. Yep. That's some pretty significant dollars. It's pretty significant. And, and when you think about it, that's the, the net present value is really the lowest that someone would save because what we're doing there is we're taking that increased cash flow and we're taking that out 40 years. So we're repaying hundred percent of it. Most of our clients don't end up keeping their buildings 40 years. Either they retire and they do something else with it. They sell it, they transition to another building or something else. So in all reality, they probably saved even more. Right. Um, the other thing that that doesn't take into consideration is we now have what the IRS called the tangible property regulations that came out a couple of years ago that client that we did that study for now knows the value of their roof system. They now know the value of their HVAC systems. They now know the value of different uh, doors that might be replaced. Now, if they do those replacements 10, 15, 20 years after the acquisition, not only did they get that depreciation gain, but they also have a basis for all those assets that they might write off in the future, which will then take that benefit and expand it even more. You know, I want to point out, and, and maybe you can chime in on this, this is not a tax loophole uh, by any means. It's not a tax shelter. It's a strategy that's been in the tax code for a number of years. And your firm has taken that, studied it, found ways to, to fairly implement in the marketplace. When, when I first started doing this, I remember my boss at the time. We went out on a sales call and we sat down with a client and they said, well, what's the catch? This sounds almost too good to be true. And really, the response is probably the best one I've heard is my boss looked at him at the time and said, look, the catch is you have to hire somebody to do it. The IRS says this is an allowable methodology, but we have to create the backup to do it. The IRS has written a number of papers on this. There's, you can look up revenue rulings. There's audit techniques guide that the IRS has. There's plenty of court cases. And I won't go into all the court cases. I mean, obviously, it started with Hospital Corporation of America versus Commissioner came out in the late 90s. The IRS acquiesced to it about two years after it came out. And it's gone from there. 
But this is something the IRS expects. The problem is you have to have the backup for it. It's no different from me on my personal return. If I go in and I take a charitable contribution, the IRS doesn't mind that I take a charitable contribution. But if they ever come in and look at it, if I don't have my receipts, they're going to throw the whole thing out. And so we sometimes get clients, you went over that example where we reclassified 43%. We sometimes get clients that say, well, what if we're just conservative and we only put down 30%? Well, the problem is without having the backup for it, that 30% is not conservative. You have to have the backup for it. Otherwise, the whole thing goes in the garbage can. So we talked in the opening about the risk. You help us uh, minimize the risk. It's audit protection, basically, of what what uh, you guys put together, the package that, that helps with that. Correct. Correct. We come in with a team of engineers and accountants to really break apart the building with that engineering expertise. So a lot of our uh, listeners, and you probably do a lot of things uh, around the house, do it yourself, and I'm a do-it-yourself kind of person, and, and this is not something that uh, the cost segregation study that you'd want to do it by yourself, because it probably wouldn't stand the, the audit test. Most likely it wouldn't stand the audit test. The other thing is you'd probably leave money on the table. So there, there's two aspects of that. And we see this all the time where someone tries to do a lot of the work themselves. And most of the time they're not maximizing the benefit and the Delta between the benefit we would have achieved and the benefit they achieve uh, would more than cover the fees that would have been associated with the study. The other aspect of it is there's some risk inherent in that because the IRS knows that there is, they don't have the ability to do it themselves. I myself am an engineer. Um, I've been, however, working in the tax area for 20 years or so. So don't ask me to design anything from an engineering level, but I combine those two aspects of it. So the unique approach that your firm uses, civil, structural, architectural engineer, and then with the knowledge with the tax law, and you guys put the package together. Correct. And, and, and we've been through audit. We know what the IRS is looking for. We have very good reputation, both with our clients, but also with the IRS. And we want to make sure that anything we do is defendable. You know, this cost segregation study sounds like a, a technique that's reserved for large companies, large multi-location companies. Is that, is that false? It has more to do with the assets that someone has and the desire for cash flow. A lot of our best clients are small sole practitioners, mom and pop type companies where maybe they have, it might just be an investor that invests in a few strip malls. And he has a strip mall, uh, sitting here and we're, we're sitting in Dublin, Ohio, he has a strip mall in Dublin, Ohio that he paid a million dollars for. And he's looking for a way to increase his cash flow to uh, work on that strip mall. Could be an auto, um, an auto dealership. We do a lot of work with auto dealers where you might have an auto dealer that's a family owned business. They are good businesses, but they're not huge multinational businesses. So we do that, but then we also sometimes are working with the $500 million manufacturer that's constantly adding and acquiring facilities. But I would say 90% of our client base is that small mom and pop type business. Yeah. So the strategy there is regardless of what the investment in the real estate, it should, it should get a look for this concept to see if it makes sense. Correct. And, and people often say, what's the dollar amount? I would say 
We used to tell people about a million dollars. If you've got a million dollars in real estate, it's worth looking at. I would say it's probably a little bit lower. But as we tell people all the time, the biggest aspect of it is it doesn't cost anything for someone to review it. So we have clients right now we're doing studies for that only have two, $300,000 worth of real estate. And they've decided that they need for cash flow is enough to justify the cost of the study. However, it doesn't cost anything to do that preliminary review. So what we always recommend is send us the information, let us do the preliminary review. If then the taxpayer decides it's not worth moving forward with the full study, they don't get charged anything and they don't move forward. You know, I have a confession to make. I, I made a mistake. I had a client that purchased a, a new building for uh, just a shade under $3 million mm-hmm. about uh, two years ago, and we didn't have a cost segregation two years ago. Am I out of luck? Well, you're not out of luck, but since you didn't call me two years ago, I might be mad at you, but you're not <laughs> out of luck at this point. No, we can. The, the nice thing about the way depreciation works is that depreciation is considered an accounting method. So with any accounting method, you can change an accounting method. And then what the IRS allows you to do is get a catch-up adjustment equal to any depreciation you've missed. So that $3 million building that was purchased three years ago. So that's about uh, one-tenth depreciated. Let's just, it's 39-year typically, just to make the math easier. You figure this out in your head? I'm, I'm going to do most of it in my All head right. right now. So if, if we say on that $3 million building that, let's say 20% of it should have been five-year personal property. So that's uh, $600,000. Did you say it was a purchase building or new construction? Purchase. New construction. New construction. No, that, I'm sorry, purchase. We'll go to the new we'll construction. Go, we'll go, we'll, but So a purchase building, so if it was five-year personal property, that means on that five-year property, they would have gotten 20% depreciation the first year, 52 the second year, and in year three, about 16%. So that's about 66% of that $600,000 that was personal property would be depreciated by now. So 66% of $6 million, what is that, about about $400,000. They've only taken about 10% of that, so they've only taken about $60,000. That means they've missed out on $340,000 worth of depreciation because you didn't call me. Um, <laughs> so, however, what the, IRS al- what the IRS allows you to do is get a catch-up adjustment equal to that $340,000 worth of depreciation. All that will flow through in the current year's return And all we need to do is file a change in accounting method, which we will help you fill out that will allow you to get that catch-up adjustment once we do the study. So those uh, that are listening uh, on our podcast and investors, if there has been uh, real estate purchased or constructed, you know, in the past year, obviously that's, that's obvious, but even the last couple of years, it needs a, needs a look. We can, in theory, we could go all the way back to 1987 when the current depreciation rules were implemented. That was the last time we had a big tax reform was 1987. And that's when the current depreciation rules were implemented. However, there's a time value of money. Sure. Um, Once you get past uh, 1993 is when they changed the life of a building from 31 and a half to 39 year. So once you get past about there, that's 20 years old, the buildings are going to be mostly depreciated by now. There's no point in doing that. So the cost of benefit. The cost benefit. Once you get about past about 10 years, it's probably not worth it. What about uh, an expansion? You know, a new addition to uh, a where or a new warehouse to an existing building or expansion mm-hmm. to an existing building. Is that fair game? A- anytime you're putting money into real estate, that's a time you want to look at it. Not only an expansion, but a renovation is another one. Under the current rules, anything to the interior of a building uh, used to be only if you leased it to someone else, you got that qualified leasehold improvement. Now there's something called qualified improvement property, 
So we're sitting here in a building that Ray occupies. If you were to go in and renovate this, anything to the interior that's non-structural is eligible for bonus depreciation. So if you go in and renovate that building, we can take the bonus depreciation number and that would significantly reduce the amount in that current year. So if you spend a million dollars renovating a building that you occupy and you own, and we say that 80% of it is to the interior of the building, all of that's eligible for bonus depreciation. In the 2017, uh, that's a 50% bonus depreciation. So that means you would get an additional write-off of $400,000 in that first year. Again, this is uh, this is not a loophole. This is just uh, a deep dive understanding of the rules and reg that are at our disposal. It, it, these are rules at our disposal, and it's something that large firms have been doing for years. What we're doing is we can now bring it down to the level where that middle market or that smaller mom-and-pop type business can access. Good. Any industries where this planning technique might work better than another? It typically works better for people that are heavily asset-focused, so businesses that have a lot of real estate, someone that dabbles in it that might be passive in the real estate. So, for example, if uh, I go out as a, as a consulting business owner and start buying some rental houses, I'm passive in that, and then you have passive loss restrictions where I might so that may be not limited. Work. Yeah. However, if manufacturing companies, like I said, car dealerships, uh, professional real estate investors, really anyone that has a large amount of assets on their books tends to be benefit. What about, uh, there's a lot of franchise, uh, fast food uh, buildings where you know they go up very quickly and there's all kinds of equipment inventing and, mm-hmm. and things like that. That would be another industry that may benefit from a cost seg. It would be. With restaurants, we have, there are some uh, preferential lives for real estate in, re, uh, in restaurants. And so sometimes the, the time value of money is not going to be as great. But the difference there when we talk about restaurants is because they have to do so many renovations to keep up with what the franchise uh, holder wants or the franchise owner wants them to do, they have to go in and completely renovate these. So the more they know about those buildings, the more beneficial it is. And that's why I keep, I've brought up auto dealers a couple of times. That's part of the reason that we've brought that up is that, for example, uh, a lot of the U.S. auto companies required that the dealerships renovate in recent years. Well, not only were they able to access the cost seg benefit from those renovations, but they could also dispose of all the assets that were removed from service if we looked at it correctly at that time. You know, if I'm thinking about investing in real estate, a cost seg study may make that decision a little easier up front. If I know that going in, it's something, it's amazing that when we talk to a lot of companies, they go through a whole bunch of planning and prospectus when they're going through and buying a piece of real estate and they've got spreadsheets and they've got analysis as to how much the rent flow is going to be, everything else. And they often don't take into consideration the effect that this has on their tax payment. And we're talking about something that could reduce their tax payment by hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. It should be one of the biggest things that they're looking at early on when they're deciding, do I buy property A or do I buy property B? And we actually have clients that will call us and ask us to run the numbers on two different properties because that might help them make the decision as to which property to invest in. Would this technique work in a 1031 or like-kind exchange transaction? It does, but we have to look at things a little differently. 1031, uh, for those that are listening that don't uh, deal with it, 1031 is a uh, exchange of basis. You basically roll the basis of your old property into a prop into a new property. 
because you have to exchange like kind for like kind, real estate has to be sold into real estate. So we can do a cost seg study on it, but typically what we're going to do is we're going to look at the increase in basis. So for example, if you sell a building for $3 million and you do a like-kind exchange into a $4 million building, we can do the cost segregation study on the $4 million building. If we find 20% personal property, that's $800,000. Remember, I sold my one building for $3 million. I bought one for four. I have a million dollars worth of additional basis I can play with. However, we can't then get into the basis. We can't drop that basis below that $3 million mark. So if we find $1.2 million, we have to be careful and we have to then talk to the client and do sure. some other planning. Sure. You know, one, uh, one final question before we wrap up. I want you to look in the crystal ball. Um, this technique and some of the examples we, we talked about, too good to be true, is in the President Trump's tax overhaul plans, is there anything that you've seen, heard, read, feel that this may be, uh, this benefit may be taken away from us? I don't see this benefit being taken away. There's a chance that it might change how it's done. It's difficult to say with President Trump because most of what's come out of the administration has been very um, basic in terms of the fundamentals. But if we look at what Ryan was pushing for a long time, and that's probably the better way to look at it is what's been the Ryan plan. Uh, Paul Ryan has pushed for immediate expensing of business assets, which would include real estate, which means you don't have to do a cost seg study if you get to write the whole thing off. Based on the current environment, we don't foresee that happening. Right. We see what's more likely to happen is potentially an extension of bonus depreciation where that would make it more beneficial, where you're allowed to write off more equipment right away, maybe an increase in bonus. Right now, bonus depreciation starts trickling off after 2017. But we don't really know. The likelier story right now is at this point that we'll see some type of temporary rate drop. If we do see a temporary rate drop, what we do tell people is don't hold off on doing the study because of a temporary rate drop. Now, if we can do it in, let's say the temporary rate drop happens in 18, it is important to accelerate any depreciation deductions we can into 17 because you get to take okay. advantage. However, if then you go and do it in 18, it's still beneficial. You still want to do it because you still get access to that time value of money. But if we know it's coming, go ahead and accelerate it into the year before that rate drop occurs. Great insight. Our guest today has been Dave McGuire, co-founder of McGuire Sponsor. And Dave is, as you can tell, a national expert in cost segregation studies, among other uh, business uh, credits and incentives. So uh, put him on your radar. Look at their website. Um, it's good information there. We talked today about the cost segregation study and who benefits, what are the benefits, and when businesses can benefit uh, by this study. If you want to hear or see or read any additional information, go to the Ray website at Ray CPA. And if you ever wanted to see a podcast in action, now you can. Check out the Ray and Associates channel on YouTube to watch episodes of this podcast and other great videos from Ray. You can also check out our website at Ray CPA for additional articles and insight and pay close attention to the cost seg information. You'll enjoy it. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Dave Kane, encouraging you to loosen up your tie and think outside the box. 